You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? I know the John Krasinski and his wife conversation. What's his wife's name? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt, right. Mm-hmm. His I think I, they're I always that. in discussions to be I, I'm so out of I'm so out of sorts when it comes to pop culture. There's some of these things. There are artists now that are popular on online. I'm like, I've never even heard of this person. I don't know who this person is. They say Nate, just so you know, Nate is turning 30. At the oh, end of thank this you month. for reminding me. Yeah. Now, the reason why I bring that up, Nate, is because they tell us that you stop listening to new music on average when you turn 30. That's when people stop listening to oh, new music, which I, I think is listening to new music years ago. Hilarious. Well, you have an old soul then. That's true. I, I mean, I so stopped listening good. to new I mean, unless it's new music from the old artists that I listen to. Otherwise, like I don't listen to like new people i have you're not acquiring new tastes i've completely shut off i've i've uh, i've built a barricade and i play i i'm good here that stopped for me a very 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 long time ago but we have people in the comment section jason says 30 you're still a puppy darn straight 30 is the new 20 mr diggs says (laughs) he accidentally hit dislike at least i hope he accidentally hit dislike kevin was the first one in the comments section so congratulations Mr. Diggs says, wait, Bruce's camera is not fixed yet. Guys, I don't know what happened, okay? I I've been I keep working, sending it to him. I keep sending I him a new been one. working overtime to make sure the camera works. It's just really bad luck. Really, it's just it's just bad luck. Dawn in the comments section is, hey, guys. Hey, Dawn. Thanks for joining us. Okay, before we get started, like, subscribe, rate, review, all the engagement buttons. Press all the engagement buttons for me. Do me a favor. If you're on social media, go ahead and share the show. I appreciate it. Join everybody. Bring everybody in. We're going to have a communal Friday evening on Food for Thought, and it's going to be lovely. It will be amazing. Amazing, as they say. But to get started, we're going to have a conversation because the title of today's episode is Hot and Cold. 
And the mm. reason why it is hot and cold is because thus far, our preferred football organization, the Buffalo Bills, has been hot and cold so far this year. They've had games where they've absolutely dominated inferior opponents. And they've had games when they come out cold against teams they probably should have beaten, like the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you get moments like last week against the Saints, where you think, okay, they beat up on the Saints, but they were supposed to beat up on the Saints. And this team has been hot and cold. And I think right now, when you look at this team, you think, what temperature are they? You think maybe you might know a little bit more after they play the New England Patriots this week. But we started thinking about food and something that is not hot or cold when it is at its best. And the reason we're saying that is because what if the Bills are just a room temperature team? What if that's the case? What kind of food would we compare them to now? If a food is cold and your team is cold, we know what to compare them to. If your team is hot, we know what kind of food to compare them to. But what kind of food is best at room temperature? Types of types of food that are better not when hot and better not when cold, but are best when room temperature. And I pose this question on social media in order to collect some opinions. But before we go any further, Nate, do you have any particular interests? So if I was a jerk, I would say gazpacho because gazpacho is served at room temperature most of the time. But uh, I won't do that. Uh, I, I won't be a jerk and I won't put a, a kink into your uh, into your exercise here. And I'll just be the basic, I don't know, I, the, the basic answer is pizza, right? Because I think for me, I'll, I like to eat my first slice of pizza piping hot, have the cheese kind of do the, the dangling thing. But then I tend to like to get that slice down, wait a while till the, I like to leave the box open, which my girlfriend hates. My, my dad also hated when I grew up, but I just like to leave the box open. I like to get it room temperature. I don't want the pizza to get cold. I don't like eating pizza out of the refrigerator, but I do like eating pizza right when it's like the, the cheese is sort of congealed together. Yes. A tall glass of water. That's uh, that's actually more accurate. Uh, to what Bruce is going to tell us is a tall glass of room temperature water, which can I just say that water should not be mentioned here at room temperature because room temperature water is terrible. I can't, there's nothing worse than when you're thirsty, you go to a friend's house or something, right? And they hand you that bottle of water right out of the contain, out of the, the, you know, the 24 pack Wegmans container. That's just right there on the floor, not been chilled nothing. And they just give you that room temperature water. And I just want to know why those people, like, if you're not prepared to have a guest, don't have guests. Don't invite me over if you have tap room water or uh, room temperature tap water. And the other thing is restaurants, they've gotten pretty lazy, Bruce. I've noticed this lately is they're like, oh, hey, I've got this little, your, your own table water here in this, in this, in this beautiful vase. But it's room temperature, and so good luck and enjoy. I mean, come on. I I like to have a lot of ice cubes in my thing. I'm just a cold water guy, um, so so water would not fit into this category of foods and or beverages best served at room temperature. And I will say that I think I prefer my pizza at room temperature. My wife has sensitive teeth, so she prefers her water at room temperature. But I just want to point out that I absolutely love the fact 
that we've been on long enough now that we have inside jokes with our comments section people where they say, ah, Bruce is going to have a tall drink of water. That's going to be his, his, <laughs> his example that he uses. I'm, gonna, I'm going to people go know you well. one out there. Peanut butter. Peanut butter, when cold, rips your bread. Peanut butter, yeah. when hot, gets really bad, really bad texture, unless you're trying to drizzle it on like ice cream or something like that. Peanut butter, I think not only is best room temperature, I think it is only really functional as peanut butter yeah. at room temperature. I think it is the perfect answer to this question. I was having a discussion with my parents about this not too long ago because we, we talk about awesome things like this because my parents are awesome. So peanut butter, I think, is the perfect answer to this question. I would defy someone to come up with a better answer than this. I mean, peanut butter is really where it's at because I am much like you. I prefer most of my food hot or cold, right? There are certain alcoholic beverages, wines, certain uh, Aaron Quince that stouts and porters, right? That are mm, better yes. room temperature. But, but no, it, it's really beverages. You know, it's not really food for the, for the purposes of this. I'm thinking about every single type of food. Pizza, preferred hot. You know, pickles, prefer them cold. Yep. Got to be cold. Yeah, I mean, Freezing cold. Almost borderline frozen. Yeah. I mean, butter is an example of something, right? But what you already said peanut butter. Room, You need a room temperature for spreading. But I don't really mind having a, a you know a, a block of butter on my bread. That doesn't bother me. So for me... I don't, I don't like it, though. I don't, peanut I don't butter, like I think butter the, like that. It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the perfect answer. It's just the perfect answer. You got really comment, technical with it, though. I did get really technical with it. Yes. Well, I mean, really technical with it. That's kind of my, that's kind of my thing. That is right? true. That is kind of your thing. That's, that's a very Bruce thing to do. Yeah. Taylor in the comment section says 10 K rapidly approved. Oh, oh, my followers. I'm closing in is on 10,000 right? followers. And he wants to know where my elbow reveal is. Well, I don't have it yet. So you don't, you are getting dangerously close. Uh, How many followers do we have now? 9,887. Okay, so I got 120 to go, 113 to go. And then I'll I'll, I'll have to reveal the elbow, which is I said I was doing an it's ankle reveal at, at 20,000 too. Hey. Ankle ankle at 20,000. By the time we get you to 100, we're going to be, you know, we'll be I'm gonna reveal, revealing that. things that people don't even want to see me reveal. Shoulders, <laughs> shoulders, biceps. collarbones. Ooh. Maybe yeah. even like an earlobe of some sort. Right? No, you can't you can't go earlobe. No, can't go earlobe. earlobe. FBI all day. Too much. Too, Too much. much. Earlobe identification system will catch me. Right? It will absolutely catch you. That that That's going to be the downfall to a lot of uh, cold case files in the future, too. Years. Well, I think that's a good transition from cold case files to if Bill's Saints was a meal. So we all ate a meal yeah. on Thursday, but we really consumed something else, too. And that is we consumed Bill's Saints. And if Bill's Saints was a meal... What kind of meal would it be? How are you feeling after Bill's Saints that would make you feel similarly to the way you felt after a specific meal? Nate, what do you think? It's like a really good pasta dish. Uh, white sauce, cheese, a lot of Parmesan. And then the waiter asking if you would like the fresh truffle. And you're already having a good experience. You, you know you're going to enjoy the meal with without the truffle, right? 
but you add the truffle because you just do it, right? You're at a, you're already at a high scale restaurant, let's say, if if you're being offered truffle table side. Um, so would I want a couple of shades of truffle? And I think about this all the time. I think about Bruce all that it takes for that truffle at the table to get shaved onto my dish. Have you? Do you know what it takes to get to a truffle? I don't know what it takes to get to a truffle. No, I don't truffles, know what you mean by this. Truffles grow on tree roots. And typically you use a pig or a very strong uh, nosed dog to search for the the truffle. And I, yes. are, you're familiar with the taste, though. I am familiar. When you said get to the truffle, I was like, what do you mean? Get to it at the restaurant? You mean like acquire a <laughs> truffle out in the wild? Yes, I know yes. what it takes. Yes. Okay, well, that's what I was asking. I mean, I wasn't asking like, oh, what? You, you know how many people you got to kill for a truffle these days? Well, I was trying. I was like, I didn't know where you were going with this. I was like, do you have to like bribe a waiter? I, I don't know what kind of truffle stuff they got going on in Buffalo. Do you need to know a dude? Oh, psst, I got a truffle guy. I got a truffle guy. It's fine. I got an underground truffle guy. No, what I was getting to, right, <laughs> is the process to that deliciousness. It seemed like maybe you just, I don't know, for me, all that work for an opponent that was missing 14 original day one starters and you felt like you didn't learn anything and you could have just had the pasta dish and not been on Thanksgiving. And I could have had a normal, uh, a normal Thursday Thanksgiving with family. And then I wouldn't have had to, you know, but I did get Sunday off. That was nice. So for me, it was a whole extra lot of work for it to be on Thanksgiving. And I could have just had it on a normal Sunday at one o'clock. Otherwise, uh, it, my pasta dish was good. It was a good meal. It was balanced, maybe even a little egg yolk. Uh, like, like we've got, what are those, uh, what are those, um, those pasta dishes called with egg yolk, a little pancetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember. What is it? I don't it's not know. Alfredo. Egg yolk and pancetta. Uh, a carbonara. Yes. A delicious Bam, carbonara. A, a delicious carbonara, uh, with a little bit of the, that truffle. That was too much for me. Right. So that, that's kind of the, the meal I'm, I'm pretty, listen. It was a good win because it was a win. Short of that, I don't know what I could take away from that game. They they did some really good things against the Saints defense that was still, for the most part, pretty good and had all its pieces. Otherwise, Bruce, I, I just don't know what I can take away from watching, uh, you know, watching that football game on, on what they had with Trevor Simeon at the offense. I, I just it was it was not good, Bruce. So I went a similar direction to you as far as the overall theory. To me, Bill Saints was a diner burger, and I'll tell you why. When you go yeah. to a, when you go to a diner, okay, like and you get a burger. When was the last time you went to a diner and you got a burger and it was terrible? Ever? I mean, you just expect that the diner burger is going to be reasonable. The floor on a diner burger is so high. You're like, this is a diner burger. It's going to be at least okay. They make burgers at a diner, and you have it, and it's good, but it's expected good. And expected good is different than surprising good. It's different than overwhelming good. It's different than walking out and going, wow, what a meal. Good. It's good, but it's expected good. The only thing that really makes you crazy when you go to a diner and you get a burger is if it sucks. You go to a diner, you get a burger, and you walk away and you go, I'm surprised at how bad that was. I mean, I just expected it to be good. It was a diner burger. My wife and I went on a date last night and we went to a diner and I got a burger and I posted it on my Instagram at Bruce exclusive on Instagram. And I put, this is my burger and it was fries. And I had Texas toast with a double cheeseburger 
lettuce, tomato, mayo, grilled onions. And surprisingly, it was good. Who am I kidding? It wasn't surprising. It was exactly what I expected because diners give good burgers. So to me, Bill's Saints was a surprising, a lack of surprising victory. It was a win, but it was a win just the way that a diner burger would be a win. It was expected. So it didn't excite me. It just didn't disappoint me. So that's the way I felt about Bill's you know Saints. Do you know what I'm a little disappointed about, Bruce? What? That you would consider a burger a diner food. Well, I mean, diner burgers are great. Do you not like diner burgers? Uh, I just, it's so, when I go to a diner, and what are we talking? A mainstream diner is Denny's, right? Like, can we... Can oh, we no, I don't... Do, no no chain diners. No chain diners at all. But, but that is a diner, correct? That is a diner. By okay. its definition, a diner should be something that offers different courses of meals at all times of the day. That's my, my definition of a diner. Okay, if that's your definition of a diner, why you would get, you always get breakfast? That is diner food. When I go to a diner, I don't care if it's 2 a.m. or 2 p.m., I'm going to a diner to get because the Because the hottest take of all time is the vast majority of the time, I prefer lunch, dinner, food to breakfast food. Uh, what that's that's neither here nor there but i guess bruce what i'm saying is when you're going to a diner like i had a buddy that would go to denny's because there was a denny's in my town and and, and we would just go to it all the time at late night because it was open late it was the only place you could congregate and he would get like chicken fingers at denny's and i always just wanted to you know defriend him and not be his friend but i you know i'm a, I'm a good person i guess but we, we have our guests we should probably get to i feel like we I should go get on, him because i could go on a really a pretty hardcore anti-diner rant against you right now. I just can't believe that you go to diners and get cheeseburgers. That's just such a lame thing. Well, diner burgers are, are are solid. They're good, I would, solid I would not know, Bruce. I literally would not know. I've well, then never had it. How can you rail against my choice when you never because why would why would I get a burger at a diner? Why would you not get a burger at a diner? Because that's such a ridiculous thing. You go you get a milkshake, a malt uh you know you it, it's it's i don't with know with a burger just, yes no i don't know evan oh, okay. ask evan. you know what evan's gonna be a tiebreaker on this that's what's gonna happen evan's gonna be a tiebreaker so i hope he's ready to discuss diners with us we are here with our special guest for the evening mr evan lazar mr evan lazar i i need you i need you to first just first off he's here with us on the genesee brewing company guest hotline from clns media network Covers the New England Patriots. We need we need a ruling here, Evan. <laughs> we need a ruling, and you need to help me understand who's in the right here. You go to a diner. Is it appropriate or is it not appropriate to get a burger at a diner, Evan? Not appropriate to get what? a burger at a diner. I was at a Denny's in Miami one time uh, after a Patriots-Dolphins game. I got a burger because it was dinner time. And let's just say I will never do that again. I don't want to get too specific or too detailed, but it was terrible. So Why I, are we using Denny's as an example here? Denny's is completely diner. It's America's diner. Yeah. It's a chain and it's lousy. And no, you go to a mom and pop diner, something called, something called the Hungry Spoon. Or something called the Greasy Griddle. That's what you need have, to go we to. We have a place here in Boston called the Greasy Spoon, and it is a great diner. It's a little yes. bit outside the city, but it's fantastic. Would that you is, get a burger there? Evan? Did you get a burger Absolutely there? Absolutely not. No. What? My Do God, they offer is... burgers there? Uh, I'm sure, but I've never even looked at that part <laughs> of the menu before because we get the burger at a diner. Yes! Someone in the yes! comments section, please save me. Tell no. me it is not inappropriate to get a burger at a diner because I get burgers at diners all the time. And I feel yeah. like I'm I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. You you are. 
Yeah, there's okay. no doubt about it. Like I, I just I just want to think about this for one more minute before we get into football because I, I every time I've ever been to a diner, everyone like you marvel. Even like it's the one thing that everyone in the in the in the restaurant can get behind is sort of marveling and looking at the guy that's not getting breakfast food. Like Dawn, I get burgers at diners all the time. Thank you, Dawn. Crap. Thank you, Don. Cam says he hasn't eaten oh, at a diner in 10 years. Cam, what are you doing with your life? One of the greatest yeah, adventures you great. can have as an old, boring, married person is looking at your significant other at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night and going, you know what we should do? We should go to a diner. <laughs> or, you, or I can't. Psst, sweetheart, I can't sleep. You want to go to a diner? And get go a, to a diner. And go get pancakes, no doubt. And I've you never, go get a burger. Before. Last thing here, Denny's. Guess what? I've never been disappointed at Denny's eating eggs, pancakes, eggs. grand slam, a grand slam. I've never once been like, "Yo, this is no." Uh, send this one back. This one's not cooked well. <laughs> Y'all go to Denny's and IHOP way too much. I can tell you that right now. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> you, you got. You got to go to somebody. Oh man, you know what? Dawn, thank you. I ate a burger at Denny's last Sunday. <laughs> That's right. Don is the only one that supports your argument, though. <laughs> And I'm cool with that. If you know anything about Dawn, you know she's always here. She's always she's always on it. She knows what she's talking about when it's football. She is a good person to have on my side. John, (laughs) I ate a burger at Denny's last week and was thinking of Dawn. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Evan, 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 Evan. Okay, so I understand we're not supposed to be this friendly with members of the other media. I get it. Like, what the heck? I thought I was coming into enemy territory here. One of our own, mind you, one of our own, Matthew Fairburn, is now on yes, the beat yes, for yes. the New England Patriots as a member of the Athletic. So I, it's not po- – I can't I can't hate the Patriots people. I just can't. It's not in me. I mean, Matthew Fairburn is, is, is one of the goats. Really so nice I'm, I'm, guy. It's a fact. So here's what we want to talk about, and we want to start right off the bat talking about Matt Jones because everybody wants to talk about Matt Jones because the Patriots have been on a winning streak. Matt Jones has been a reason why. They're winning. Right. Now, I don't think anyone would go out of the way and say he's the reason why Mac, they're yeah. winning. But he's not taking away from the Patriots' ability to win, which a lot of rookie quarterbacks do. A lot of teams are winning in spite of their quarterbacks. Yeah. Or they're winning because of their quarterbacks. Or they're winning with their quarterbacks. And it feels like Mac Jones, as opposed to the other rookie quarterbacks in this class, the Patriots are not winning in spite of Mac Jones. They're winning with Mac Jones. He's part of the reason that they're winning. What have you seen from Mac Jones this year that made you think, okay, this is the guy that the Patriots are going to win with, not win in spite of. He's going to be a little different than other rookie quarterbacks. What is it about Mac Jones that makes him different? Yeah, I would say it's two things. Number one, you look at, his poise and sort of his veteran savvy commanding the troops, right? The way that he approaches the huddle, the way that he comes to the line of scrimmage, the way that guys really going all the way back to training camp have rallied around him when he's on the field. And he has this just kind of quiet confidence about him that I think uh, really has taken on this entire team in a lot of ways. The other thing that I would say that has really blown me away about Mac and his process is how often his eyes are in the right place. Like when you deal with rookie quarterbacks, you often break down tape of young QBs, even guys in their second and third years and they're missing reads or they're not seeing the defense the proper way, or they're not on the, the, the right key or something like that. 
and they're not getting to the open receiver. Mac, he might not make every single throw under, you know, it, it might not be always perfect in terms of, of every single throw, but nine times out of 10, he's going the right places with the football. And it's actually pretty incredible to watch how often he's right in terms of what he's doing from a mental standpoint and where he's going with the ball when he decides to throw it there. So the decision-making and the processing is truly already at a pretty high level. I, 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 I hate to throw the word elite around already because it's only been 12 games, but truly to be that cerebral this early on in an offense that has bogged down a lot of veteran players in the past. I mean, Cam Newton spoke openly last year about his struggles with the Patriots system and all the things that were on his plate and all the calls at the line of scrimmage and protections and post-snap reads of defenses based off coverage shells and option routes and all this kind of stuff. And Mac has already mastered a lot of that already. And that is extremely impressive. Evan, I think the one area with Mac Jones that I've been really impressed with is, is sort of his ability to not necessarily be mobile, but use timing, anticipation. And I, I said this to Mark Schofield the other day that I, he throws one of the more catchable balls I've ever seen, yeah. like a rookie quarterback throw. And what I mean is there are several like instances of, you know, having a free blitzer and instead of trying to run away or break a tackle, Matt kind of just th- will put the ball up on a high arc and lead a guy that hasn't even got into his break yet. Uh, and, and he sort of just leads him into these really catchable, you know, they're not 15, 20, 30 yards down the field. They're at the line of scrimmage. They're five yards down the field. But these are really, I think, high level, very mature football plays that you don't get from a lot of rookies. And I guess the follow up question or uh, the, the context to this question is if this is his ceiling, which I think most people that might have been worried about drafting him would have said it's that he's going to come in with the highest ceiling of any of these rookie quarterbacks in this class. The question was, was, oh, well, I shouldn't say highest ceiling. I should say lowest or highest floor, right? Yeah. And, and let's just say that this is his ceiling. I mean, I, does it need to be a lot better than what we're seeing? And obviously, just with repetition, this is a quarterback too, Evan, that didn't play a lot in college. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the if this was his ceiling, then I do think what you would have to see And this is something that I think a lot of quarterbacks that are dealing with the tools that Mac has, which is a lot of his game ends up being between the ears, right? He is so good at setting the table pre-snap and reacting to things post-snap and knowing where his answers to the test are on the fly at a very, very high level. So to me, I, I think if you look at where he could maybe improve upon this current basis of play that he's at right now, is at times a tendency in the red zone to not end up with touchdowns. The Patriots right now are 24th in the league in red zone touchdown efficiency. That number is going to have to go up uh, over the course of his career for the Pats to be perennial contenders year in and year out like they were with Tom Brady. So there, there are still, I think, some elements of his game that can get better. But I think what you look at now is this is the worst that he's possibly going to be in the NFL is what he's at right now. And if this is the worst that he's going to be when you have Bill Belichick as your head coach and you have a good defense and you play good in the kicking game as well, and you put the entire formula together, then I think in a lot of ways you feel really good about the Patriots and just 
to draw a comparison because I think the Brady comparisons are ridiculous because I mean, no one's going to be Tom Brady, but in a lot of ways, I think Bill Belichick looked at Jimmy Garoppolo and thought that he was going to get a similar level of quarterback play than what he's gotten from Mac and that he could win with that guy. Was he going to be Brady and was he going to be this transcendent player? Maybe not, but Jimmy G was going to be able to carry the team where Belichick needed it to be. Mac right now is already at Jimmy G status with the Patriots. So if this is exactly what he keeps doing uh, year in and year out, they're going to win double digit games with him at quarterback. And I actually think his ceiling is even higher than it is now, just because I, I think every, every play, every down, every game, he downloads more into the computer, right? And there, there's more that he's seen. There's more looks that he's seen. There's more defenses that he's seen. And every single time he sees one, he does seem to, I would say, uh, improve and learn from mistakes. And I think eventually he will get to a point where uh, he is as fast through the read as some of the best guys in the league are. I want to follow up with that, Evan, and just ask you if there was something that you watched him do in college, whether it was just a bad habit of sorts that you watched him do in college that you thought this this might hurt him in the next level in the NFL, but that he might be thriving at. Because I think there's a few things um with Mac Jones that I thought maybe at the college level that maybe wouldn't translate he'd really struggle athleticism was one of them is there something that sticks out to you that I thought this was going to be a huge issue and he's just been able to overcome it with everything else around him yeah absolutely I I was not sold on the arm strength at all well coming out of college the Patriots drafted him I said look he's going to be cerebral he's going to be fast he's going to in terms of his processing speed and he's going to be able to do all those types of things and, and get to the right spots in the defense but what's going to happen when he's got to hit a closing window 15 20 yards out and he's got to really drive the football into that window and, and get the ball where it needs to go and as we get into this game on monday night too i think another shoot a drop here from mac is how does he play when it starts to get cold out, right? Because the kind of conventional wisdom on guys that have uh, weaker arms is that it's harder to throw the ball in the cold weather for everybody. So a guy that has a cannon like somebody like Josh Allen might be able to push the ball through wind and snow and bad weather a little bit easier than a guy like Max. So do I still have reservations about his arm strength? Not as much as I did coming in just because you play this well for 12 games, you're obviously getting enough zip on the ball to get it there consistently. And he does throw the ball quite often into tighter windows and he wins with such great ball placement that it doesn't necessarily matter that the velocity isn't off the charts, but we'll see what happens once this gets into the December, January football. And he's got to throw a ball on Monday night when it's 25 degrees out and it's 30 mile per hour wins. I, I'm not as concerned about it as some other people are up here, but it's definitely something that we're monitoring. Evan, I want to talk a little bit about a common talking point in the national media and a common talking point about people who are Mac Jones detractors right now, which John brings up in the comments. He literally won't throw the ball down the field. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about this for a second because the average intended air yards per throw for Mac Jones is the exact same amount as it is for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. It's 7.6. Now, it's below average, but it's also higher than Ryan Tannehill, higher than Kirk Cousins, higher than Justin Herbert, higher than Matt Ryan. You know, these are all people 
who are not known for being people who don't throw the ball down the field, right? Right. But yet, where does that come from? Where does this narrative come from? Is it does it come from the fact that we are seeing is it below average and people are just going out of their minds and just kind of a, just taking it out to the logical explanation where it's well because it's below average therefore it's it's terrible because nothing can ever just be average it's always either above average it's amazing and below average is terrible that's just the way it is with people in the way that they they extreme things but the shorter throws in general because it is below average is it a function of the offense or is it a function of mac jones what is it that's driving the narrative aside from the fact that people just overreact to stuff well, honestly, when I watched him in college at Alabama, now granted he's thrown at Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and all these receivers at Alabama, but he threw a really pretty deep ball for the Crimson Tide. I mean, he definitely threw the ball down the field for Alabama. They ran a lot of vertical concepts down there, but the Patriots offense is not a vertical-based passing offense. They are horizontal. They want to stretch the field vertically and horizontally, but uh, most importantly, they want to create opportunities for guys to run with the football after the catch. They're not trying to hit the 60 to plus yard bombs down the field for the main reason being just from a statistical perspective, even whether you believe it or not, uh, that's a low percentage play, right? It's a lower percentage to be able to throw the ball. Okay. So maybe you hit, uh, you know, 25 to 35% of them, the best quarterbacks in the league might hit 35% of their deep balls, right? But Mac Jones is hitting 70% of his completions within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. So the Patriots offense has always been this way. I, it's funny because I, it, it feels like a broken record at this point in terms of what we've heard here for so long, because anybody that has uh, any ill will towards Tom Brady will tell you that he's a dink and dunk passer, right? I mean, this is literally what they said about Brady for so long outside. Every, the whole thing was always outside of the Moss here. He's never thrown the football deep. Now he goes to Tampa Bay and he's gutting it, you know, a hundred yards down the field, every play and people kind of change their tune. But I think at the same time, you look at the way that Josh McDaniels structures this offense and the way that the Patriots want to move the football. They want to move it efficiently. They want to move it with yards after the catch. They want their quarterback essentially to be a point guard and, and just get the ball into the hands of the playmakers in the right spots and then run with the football afterwards. And Mac Jones does a really good job of doing that. And I think one thing that we always defended Brady with that now I feel myself defending Mac with is ball placement to create those yards after the catch, right? If you watch Patriots receivers, very seldom are guys fighting the football, right? Uh, diving for it, going backwards for it, going up high for it. Uh, and very seldom do those uh, receivers have to break stride. When they're open over the middle of the field, he's hitting them in stride. And the Patriots actually this season have the lowest drop rate in the entire NFL. And although that is a testament to those guys for catching the football, I would also say that drop rate is a quarterback stat in a lot of ways, right? How the quarterback and where the quarterback's putting the football. So that that's not the sexiest of um, of, of styles of play. Right. I mean, it's not the best way uh, in terms of aesthetics to, to play. And, and his highlight reel is not filled with 60 yard throws all the all the time. But he gets the football to those guys in stride and doesn't force them to fight it. And I think that's a really big part of what makes him good as well. I want to ask a little bit about the tight ends that got brought in number one and number two in guaranteed money in tight ends. Hunter Henry, John Smith. 
Hunter Henry has really come along and been an instant part of this offense, especially in the red zone when it comes to touchdowns. And John Smith, a little bit slower coming along. You see him used in a variety of ways, but a lot as a blocker, like used a lot as a blocker, a lot more than I think a lot of us thought when they envisioned the Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith being Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski kind of scenario and being a 12 personnel, multiple offense where you can flex them out wide and then pull them in tight and run a lot of things out of similar personnel groupings. And it just quite hasn't really happened for Jonu Smith. But one of the narratives yeah. that's been going around the Patriots recently is that, listen, this is an installation year for Jonu Smith. And I just want to ask you a little bit about Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith how are you feeling like they're coming along? Do you buy into the whole, this is an installation year for Jonu Smith and there's a possibility he could be better next year? Or do you think that there's, uh, okay, he was a veteran. We signed him to a lot of money. We're not really getting that return because right now he's an expensive blocking tight end. How do you feel about the tight end usage in this offense right now? So I think they're on total polar opposite sides because Hunter Henry's been fantastic for the Patriots. He's been everything that they paid him to be somebody that Mac Jones can go to in third down situations, somebody he can go to in red zone. Uh, what I call them is high leverage situations, right? When it's third and eight, who are you going to on that specific play? Hunter Henry has been a guy that Mac has been consistently able to connect with on those types of plays. Obviously, he's got the red zone production as well, and he probably should have a couple more red zone touchdowns, quite frankly, that, that Mac didn't. Uh, hit last week from the 26-yard line. He airmailed one uh, to Hunter Henry, who was wide open behind the defense. But you see the difference in stylistic just play with those two guys, and it, it really points to this offense and what it is at its core. Because Hunter Henry is a fantastic route runner. He's a great timing route runner. He's a great uh, at getting open at the top of the route, breaking off a of leverage, breaking in those option plays, and being able to get open at the top of the route with great quickness and explosiveness. Johnny Smith is an athlete that wants the football in his hands, that wants to create yards after the catch. You know, watching Bill's tape this week, in a lot of ways, uh, I think that Johnny Smith is a lot more like Dawson Knox, right, in, in terms of the way that the Patriots should probably be using him. The Bills are doing a nice job with Knox, like that play on the goal line against the Saints on the opening drive uh, on Dawson Knox's touchdown. That's a perfect play for somebody like Johnny, uh, and the Bills are using him pretty well. Now, does Josh McDaniels have a blind spot um, with those types of players, I think is an honest question that I've been asking myself all this year, because in a lot of ways, the struggles that Johnny Smith has had are parallel to the struggles that Nikhil Harry has had in this system, right? The fact that they're not precise route runners, that they're not guys that get open with quickness at the top of the route. They're not necessarily those intellectual type of players. They're more athletes that need the ball, that need opportunities to, to run with the ball with their hands and then make catches down the field on contested balls. So not exactly the best fit here so far with Janu. And it is a problem in terms of their cap as well, because he's due his cap hit next year is almost $14 million for the Patriots. So if he doesn't produce like a number one or one B tight end, then that just that cap hold alone is holding them back from going out and getting another pass catcher or getting a number one corner to replace Stephon Gilmore, or pay JC Jackson, the money that he's owed and all those types of things. So it, it holds them back quite a bit. If they can't figure out a better way to maximize Johnny Smith in this offense. And I wonder if, if they can't and they revisit that in the offseason and they say, 
this guy just it wasn't the right deal. We, we made a mistake. If they could then maybe offload him and, and try to do a salary dump someplace else with Johnny. Evan, I got uh, one last thing before we uh, send you on our way tonight. We, we have to at least ask about the defense. Um, talking about how Bill Belichick might be sort of recalibrating after the last two games last season against Josh Dale and the Bills. How do you expect this defense with its new toys, particularly Matthew Judon, who's you know leading the league right now or, or second in the league, I think, in sacks behind Miles Garrett? What what do you imagine this defense looks like tomorrow on Monday night, knowing the weather might be bad as well? Yeah, it, this defense has turned around because they started to play a lot more zone coverage in the back end. During this six-game win streak, the Patriots in week five again, well, in week four against Tampa, they held up in man coverage against the Bucks. It was a rainy night in Foxborough. Tom Brady was off because he was just a little bit rattled by the situation, I think, coming back to Gillette Stadium had to have been weird uh, feeling for him. So they held up against the Bucks in week four, but in weeks five and six against Davis Mills and the Houston Texans, which I truly think was the final straw for Belichick with all the man coverage uh, that they were running and have, have been running really for the last uh, better part of this last half decade uh, with the Patriots. They got torched by Davis Mills and a bunch of cast off wide receivers with the Houston Texans. And then in week six against Dallas, they started to play a little bit more zone. And then in week seven, the zone revolution or whatever you want to call it, renaissance was completely on. And they had some game plans there against the Chargers, against Baker Mayfield and the Browns, where they were 80, 85% zone coverage in the back end, playing tons and tons of zone. So my assumption here just based off of what Josh Allen's had some issues with here in the past as well in matchups against the Jags or the Colts you know those two high zones has kind of been the blueprint against Allen and this Bills offense so I fully expect the Patriots to play a ton of zone coverage on Monday night I, I expect them to try to get home with that four-man rush to put seven guys in coverage in the back end in zone and then change the picture on Allen right post pre-snap you give him single high post snap it ends up being a too high structure or vice versa and try to spin the dial on him and I, I look at that game plan that the Colts ran out there keep him in the pocket make him beat you with those throws against zone uh, that that seems to be the best way I mean look if you're the Patriots and, and you go out there with a secondary that's just not what it was a few years ago quite frankly and you try to match up with Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox and Gabriel Davis and all these guys and man coverage, Josh Allen's going to put up 40 points, right? I mean, they just don't have the horses to do it. So I, I really think that this game has to be zoned from the Patriots because that is a recipe for disaster. I mean, maybe you think that JC Jackson could take somebody in a man to man matchup, although Stephon Diggs burned him last year. So I'm not so sure how much you trust that. But it's those depth guys, right? You get Emmanuel Sanders with Jalen Mills and Miles Bryant with uh, Cole Beasley and uh, no Kyle Duggar to take Dawson Knox. So maybe it's Adrian Phillips or Juwan Williams. And th those man-to-man -man matchups just look terrible for the Patriots on paper. So I, I would fully expect to see a ton more zone. Evan, thank you so much for yes, being part of our show that. on a Friday night. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for nothing when it comes to the diner conversation. <laughs> you will never be back on food for thought thank you so much my wife texted me by the way during this conversation she goes hey sweetheart what do you think we should do after the show and i was like well why are you texting me in the middle of the show she said, let's go to a biner diner a biner 
let's a go binary. to a diner. Yeah, but there might have been a typo in my my words just then. But she said, let's go to a diner. I was actually kind of thinking maybe there'd be something more adult in those conversations, but apparently it's just diners it's just is diners. what it is. So, Evan, thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate uh-huh. it. Hey, uh, do me a favor, if you would, let everybody know where they can find you. Because, okay, real quick plug. Follow other teams' beat reporters. That's it. If you want to know what's going on in other teams, don't view them the week of That's through right. your own beat reporters. Follow everybody's beat reporters, including Evan. Where can they find you on social media? What you up to? Yeah, you can find me at EZLazar, L-A-Z-A-R, on Twitter. And that's uh, I post everything that I do there. Uh, CLNSmedia.com, Patriots Press Pass. But after this game, I will assure you that I will have a ton of film review type of content about all these things, uh, about everything Patriots bill. So if you want to read it from a little bit of a different perspective and, and see how this game goes from a Patriots perspective, but also get a ton of information on the bills as well, then I, I always do at least one big film review, but sometimes even two. So it, it's uh, it's a lot of film stuff on clnsmedia.com, and I'm sure Bills fans could get something out of it as well. Awesome. Evan, thanks for being a part of it, man. I appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A reminder that Evan and all of our guests are brought to you on the Genesee Brewing Company guest hotline. It's a good time. I got that logo up in the top right-hand corner, and I'll level with you. I don't think I have any red eyes still in my fridge, Nate. So I kind of feel, I, I, well, I, they don't really have them much where I'm at, and so I might need no. to just make a trip up to Buffalo. Right. I, hold on. What I'll do... Is, is I, I've got a couple of these. I owe one of our listeners something. And and I'll send you one of these uh, with some beer in it. I'm down with it. Okay. Are, are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to transport alcohol across state lines like that? I don't know. Did you? Did we just admit to a felony on live on Friday night? I don't know. If, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> Consult your local, uh, your local sheriff's office before we do that. So, Anyways. One of the things I wanted to get to. And we touched on a little bit with Evan and his discussions about the Patriots and zone against Josh Allen. What are you looking for schematically against the Patriots? I want to circle back to it. This is an appetizer we are having after our main course. This is the mozzarella sticks after the diner burger is what this is. I'm the diner burger. You know, I actually put that on my Instagram too. I had a burger with mozzarella sticks on it not too long ago. And someone said, hey, you should put marinara on that side. I would, but it had bacon. And so I think the marinara clashed with the bacon. So I think maybe a garlic aioli would be better than that. So um, that was my, you know, my general, you know, combining of flavors discussion. So what are you looking for schematically against the Patriots? What are you, what are you keeping your eyes on, Nate? Yeah, I I think Evan made such a great point, which is why I wanted to sneak that defense question in at the end, right? Because you think about what that defense rolled out against the Bills last year and it was not successful. And I wonder just how different it looks this year. And Evan, I think, alluded to how much they've changed within this season, which I would probably think if they're running 80, 90% 
zone over the last couple of weeks. That's got to be, if not more, if they're not just running out zone every single time, maybe tossing in a man-to-man coverage just to to mix up some things uh, pre-snap for Josh Allen, just to try to disguise some things. Here's the, here's the thing, bro. Scheme may go straight out the window on Monday night. If the weather is as extreme as, as the worst of it can be, the 40-mile-per-hour wind gusts, the the snow, or worse, if it's like 36 and raining in that, it could be an absolute nightmare. And what it would come down to, Bruce, is not scheme. It would come down to who can be more physical at the line of scrimmage, who can open up some running lanes, and who can pop off a big play, one or two big plays here or there. I think Josh Allen in this game becomes a huge, huge weapon for this Buffalo Bills offense as a runner. Like, I, I'm not sure how much we're going to be able to rely, the Bills, that is, on this passing game. I'm not sure how much the Patriots will be able to rely on their passing game. But I know that they like Damon Harris in these sorts of situations, and he's a downhill runner. They like Ramondre Stevenson, their rookie their rookie running back who's got that big playability, and he's the kind of guy that I'd be genuinely worried about because this defense has shown if you can get to the second level, you can break away from them. And So I think for me, offensively, looking at the Patriots' defense, scheme this week, Bruce, I could see a lot of zone coverage and a lot of pressure. I, I would bet that they're going to try to blitz Josh Allen and disguise some things pre-snap and, and do some simulated rushes and, and and show one side, bring pressure from the other, and really try to force this offensive line that has not played together a ton because of injuries and COVID to communicate at a very high level in prime time, in the cold, in the conditions and, and I think that's going to be a tough thing to do. So if this comes down to Bruce more than scheme, I start to, that's where my worry starts to come uh, for this Buffalo Bills team on Monday night. Sure. If this comes down to physicality, that's never been something that we've looked at this 2021 version of the Buffalo Bills team and thought, yes, they've got it in spades. I'll tell you what does ha- help though. Getting Spencer Brown back on the offensive line helps with that physicality. I think having Daryl Williams at right guard and Spencer Brown at right tackle really changes the dynamic, especially if John Feliciano is back. I think that Feliciano and Spencer Brown both control the physicality and energy on that offensive line. And I think that having them both back could change the dynamics of this game from a Bills are going to get bullied to Bills can hold their own for sure. And I want to talk a little bit about an email that I got, Nate. And Damn I got it. an email from Squeedosaurus, who sent me an email and said, good evening, Bruce and Nate. Thank you for reading my email the other week. Because of work, I really can't join the chat for live shows, so I really appreciate it. Right now, we're in the thick of soup season, and I was wondering what makes a soup great. For you guys, what kind of criteria needs to be met to make a good soup into a great soup? Mm. Also, what kind of soup are the Buffalo Bills right now i will take this first thank you because even though i gave you 54 minutes i forgot about it i knew you were going to i knew you were going to i gave you 54 minutes to come up with an answer and i'm going to stall as long as i can so you can come up with a good answer it's a tall drink of water no i'm just kidding okay (laughs) So, so the type of soup that the buffalo bills are this year tomato soup and i'll tell you why they're tomato soup tomato soup good when hot passable when cold but still one note i don't think there's a lot of complexity to tomato soup it's one note it's velvety there's no chunks in it it's smooth it's reasonable you can eat it hot you can eat it cold either way it's fine 
but tomato soup is one note. And the Bills have been one note this year. They throw the ball on offense and they play good defense, but they haven't been a dynamic running team. You haven't seen them get exceptionally aggressive coaching this year, I don't think. They've been kind of one size fits all. It's been tomato soup. When they're hot, you like it. When you're cold, they're passable, but it's still one note. It's still one flavor. It's not overly complex. That, to me, is what the Bills have been on offense. We have some chiming in from the comment section. John says sweet and sour. That's a good one. Sweet and sour. The reason I didn't go with sweet and sour is because even though hot and cold and everything, sweet and sour is complex. There's layers to sweet and sour. And I don't know if the Bills this year have had a lot of layers to them. Richard Rush says French onion soup because it's great hot but horrible cold. I'll level with you. I haven't had a French onion soup in a lot of years. They're so good. I don't think I've and I don't think I've had cold French onion soup probably ever. But I, I'll take your word for it. That's terrible. Jason says cream of mushroom. Love or hate it. I have a hot take for you. You have I have mentioned before that I think green bean casserole is an abomination. You We've talked did, about you this before. That. Yep. I was having a discussion with my wife and I said, you know, I think I'd be willing to give a shot to green bean casserole if it didn't have cream of Russian mushroom soup. Oh, so you're a cream of mushroom hater. Okay. I, don't, I am a cream of mushroom hater. I so don't I think like mushrooms. Try it with like cream of celery or cream of chicken or something like that. I think potentially we could make it happen. So stay tuned for Bruce potentially trying green bean casserole with a different cream soup to make it work. So that's my what kind of soup are the Buffalo Bills right now. And in regards to what kind of criteria needs to be met in order for a good soup to be a great soup, I will be this. If you do multiple things, that's best. If you do one thing, you need to do it well enough for me not to be bored by the end of the meal. So if you have a tomato soup, for example, that tomato soup needs to be on point because if it's just okay, I am going to be sick to death of it by the time I am halfway through the bowl. So for me, I like complex soups. I like things that have multiple different types of flavors. I also like soup that has a good amount of thickness to it. Watery soups are absolutely no for me. Absolute no for me. I need to get it a little bit, a little bit of thickness. To I that agree soup. with that. You know, thickness with the two C's. Can I, can I tell you what I believe makes the best soup? heavy cream go ahead right now heavy cream heavy cream the like same thing when, that makes a good pasta sauce correct correct heavy cream to me is really what brings like a you know cream of blank or uh what i was going to compare the bills to and what i'm going to compare the bills to bruce is manhattan clam chowder because okay. it's not really the best version of it new england clam chowder is the best version of clam chowder but manhattan clam chowder is not bad um but i don't believe it's at an elite level until you bring the cream element, until you bring that true chowder element. Because Manhattan clam chowder is not chowder. It's just, it's clam soup. Uh, and, it's and clam I think, minestrone almost. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and it's, again, it is good. Uh, but when I go to a restaurant and, I, and there's, a, there's clam chowder and it doesn't specify if it's New England or Manhattan, the first thing is I always say, is that New England clam chowder or is that red chowder? Like, oh no, it's it's New England. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a bowl of that. So um, I think the heavy cream element, the chowder, the thickness, 
um, is uh, yeah, I, I, I like I'm, other than playing the New England Patriots this weekend. I guess maybe that was a poor analogy. Now that yeah, I think Cam called it. you on it. The comment section says I like Nate's answer aside from the fact that New England is the better version. I agree. I agree. That's a bad. It's a bad example, man. This is it's a, it's just, it's a bad example. Cam says love barley in a soup makes it a little more hearty and absorbs a great barley. I have a I have a barley take. Okay, I have a barley take. So. You guys all know if you follow me on social media, I like grape nuts. I like to eat the. Cereal oh my god, grape Bruce! Nuts. Bruce, okay? that's my fa- that's my favorite cereal. No, really? I am a grape nuts adorer. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay. Adorer. Okay. Okay. My, my my literally my mind is blown because I thought I was the only person. Thank you, Cam. Love in the comments, love grape, grape nuts. nuts. Okay, Cam, you and I, we're not going to be friends because I don't have any, but we can be like like acquaintances when it comes to that kind of thing. Okay. He says he loves barley in a soup. And I want to talk about barley for a second. So my wife is a grape nut hater, right? Hater. Grape nuts hater. Absolutely. This is disgusting, right? And I had a take when I was talking with my wife and my parents not too long ago. And I said, listen, wheat checks doesn't get this hate. Rice checks doesn't get this hate. The reason why y'all hate on grape nuts is because you hate barley. And barley has good flavor. I like barley. They made a they made us a, a cereal out of barley, and we really like it. And we like barley, and we like the Good texture, stuff. and we like barley. And I think it's really just barley getting hate. I really think that's what's happening is barley is getting hate. No one appreciates barley. It is the least appreciated of all of the grains. Everyone loves wheat. Everyone loves rice, but barley just is bottom tier for people. So can I throw I, another? Uh, underrated grain in the, into the situation here? Sure, yeah. Faro. I'll level with you. I can't Faro remember the last grain. time I had Faro. I, when I was uh, dieting, when I used to think I had it, eating... I think I had it in a dough of some sort not too long ago. Oh, okay. I, I used to like throwing Faro over, like under, you know, like instead of going with the standard rice, go with Faro. Uh, I, I think it's a little like, uh, it's a little bit I don't know what, what's the word. Like it's just got a little bit more character to it. It's a little mm. chewier. Um, because I'm a big couscous fan, like especially the pearled couscous. I don't mm. love traditional couscous because it's really just too dry and not really mm. up my alley. But you go with the pearled couscous, and now we're we're cooking with some with some gasoline. Well, we did it. We talked about soup. And last but not least, we're gonna talk about winners and losers in the NFL. It's 10 o'clock. We're gonna close the show out. With winners and losers, I am not a loser just because I eat grape nuts. I'm not a loser for that reason. I'm a loser for plenty of other reasons. But winners and losers this week in the NFL. You want to start with losers or winners, Nate? Losers. Okay, losers. Do you have a loser? Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. All right. Uh, It's Taysom Hill. And it's only because the national broadcast wanted to make him such a winner and so good, like what can't Taysom Hill do? Like was like a pro football focused tweet. So he's the biggest loser because essentially the broadcast had made him into the biggest target because listen, everybody thinks Taysom knows what Taysom Hill is, right? I think we all know what Taysom Hill is. The thing is, is watching that broadcast on Thursday night, uh, last night, particularly right like. It was weird, like the love fest, the things they were saying about Taysom Hill. Like he's not, 
he's not very good at throwing the football at all, but they were just like, oh, what an amazing throw, Taysom Hill. So he's the biggest loser because he was being propped up as America's greatest winner. Biggest loser for me, Ezekiel Elliott. It was always, a, there was always a time when we knew that Tony Pollard was better than Ezekiel Elliott. And I think Ezekiel Elliott kind of needed to hang on. I think one of the reasons why he wants to play through his knee injury so yeah. bad is he doesn't want everyone to see how much Tony Pollard is better than him. The thing that I love about the Ezekiel Elliott situation is that the contract is actually worse than yeah. you think it is. It is. It is worse than you think it is. We, You and I, I think maybe have mentioned this before. I can't remember. But you can't really get out you of can't. that contract until 2023. Because you have dead caps of 36 million, yeah, 30 million, and then in 2023, it's 11.86 million. Which is still a lot. So you don't get a reasonable, you don't get a reasonable dead cap hit until 2025 when it's 1.7 million. That's the dude is signed through 2026, Nate. And he imagine signing a running back through 2026. I don't even know. I don't even know what my life is going to look like in 2026. I probably won't be doing this show in 2026. I, I disagree, but go ahead. <laughs> but what you're going to sign a running back through 2026, yeah. and now and now you're going to get shown up by the more dynamic player on your team, which is Tony Pollard. Now, Ezekiel Elliott offers you a lot of things. People don't talk about this very much. Ezekiel Elliott is an unbelievably talented pass blocker. Like he, he'll stick his nose in there and really block well, but that's not a good enough reason to keep him around for these numbers. Not at 90 million. So he's the biggest winner because he got the contract and he's the biggest loser because now he's going to get his job taken. Wow. So I I I guess your biggest winner for the week. Uh, My biggest winner this week is, um, well, originally I wanted to say my biggest winner. I, I actually mixed up the order because Don took Don's right. The biggest loser is Antonio Brown. The biggest winner was supposed to be Taysom Hill for being the biggest loser, but I I, I messed that up. So let's just say uh, biggest winner. Oh shoot! Now that I messed this up, uh, Bruce, give me give me a good winner. Who, who who's your favorite winner this week? Ooh, you know what? I've I've got one. Okay. Biggest biggest winner this week, Mac Jones. He's been the biggest winner for like what a couple of weeks now, mm-hmm. uh, being crowned all sorts of things. Uh, and and I felt this was a joke, Bruce, but his real name is McCorkle. You thought it was a joke, you didn't realize it his had, name was it, McCorkle Jones. It had to be a joke. I I was convinced there was no way that it wasn't a joke. Did you think it was a key and peel sketch? Is that what you thought? No, I just thought like. Jack Marius Man, he, Tech Theratrix. Can I be honest? He looks like a McCorkle. So I'd have been like, okay, I can see why somebody in passing was like, hey, check out McCorkle, you know? And I'd have been Mac like, Mac Jones yeah. needs a the third at the end of his name, does he not? McCorkle Jones the third. He's the third. I feel like yeah, it's just it's just be... appropriate. He, it it yeah. doesn't feel right if he doesn't. He's He's an interesting cat, man. I, I'm really interested to watching this game for a lot of reasons, but I am interested. I don't think, I, I, I'm not sure. I would love to get somebody to do the, the research on this. If he's ever played in a football game that was under 30 degrees. I could look that Or up. around 30 degrees. I don't think I could do it live on the air, but I could figure it out. No, you couldn't do it live on the air. No. I Mr. Jake says, maybe your camera will be fixed by 2026. I don't, man, you know, God willing, I'm, I'm still, I'm trying. 
I'm really trying. That might give you enough time to get it fixed. That might. Maybe. Yeah, I'll level with you. It's just slow going, man. Every time I think I'm making progress. Supply it's chain. Just like, it's, it's, you know, it's a supply, supply chain. chain. It's Thank a supply you chain. for giving me something else to blame it on. I really appreciate supply that. Chain. Ladies and gentlemen, in the comments section and here with us live on Food for Thought, thank you so much. What a wonderful way to spend my Friday night with you guys. Can't believe you decide to spend an hour or so of your Friday evening with Nate and I. I really appreciate it. I'm going to go try and talk my wife into going to a diner because it's Friday night. And now I kind of want a burger because that's what you get at diners. So for Nate Geary, I'm Bruce Nolan, and we hope you didn't leave hungry. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today